In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So last time we spoke about Hades. Um, so essentially we've, we've gone through several steps in this series. At the beginning we spoke about the process of death itself. Then we talked about what's called the crossover, where the spirit is taken by the angels. Um, and then we spoke about the, um, the, the, the attack or the temptation that happens to the soul by the demons uh, and the salvation that comes through the work of God through the angels. Um, and then we spoke about Hades and, and what the scripture and the church fathers say about Hades last time. And today, God willing, we'll start to speak about paradise. Um, St. Paul said uh, in to the Corinthians, he says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And this is a good verse to keep in mind when speaking about paradise because paradise is, is something not comprehensible. Um, it's not something we can understand. It's not something that we can really compare to anything else um, because we've never lived in such fulfillment. You know, like maybe we've had glimpses in our life where we really felt complete peace or complete joy or complete contentment um, that are just fleeting moments. Paradise is far greater than any contentment or any joy or any peace that we've had in life. And it's not just for a fleeting moment, but it's for eternity. And that's why St. Paul says here, eye has not seen nor ear heard. Like we, it is not something to be compared to anything. It's not something that we, are, we can really comprehend or understand. And that's important to keep in mind as we discuss this. It's just to say that, that paradise and heaven and the eternity with God is far greater than we can really understand. St. Paul, when he saw a vision of paradise, he said, um, he said, uh, caught up in paradise, into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. The, the things even that St. Paul saw when he was in paradise were inexpressible. The things he heard and the things that he saw could not be understood, could not be related to us in, in terms and context that we can um, understand. St. Clement of Rome, he contemplates on this verse. He says the following. He says, How blessed and wonderful, beloved, are the gifts of God, life in immortality, splendor in righteousness, truth in perfect confidence, faith in assurance, self-control in holiness, and all these fall under the cognizance of our understanding now. What then shall those things be which are prepared for such as wait for him, the creator and father of the ages, the most holy, alone knows their amount and their beauty. And like Again, the idea that the only one who truly can understand heaven is the creator of heaven, who is God himself, right? But we cannot fully comprehend or fully understand it. It is beyond. It is so beautiful. It is so wonderful that we cannot comprehend. The late Bishop Ioannis, he tells us in a book which is titled Heaven, and I would recommend this book as well. Um, it's a book. It's just called Heaven, um, and it speaks about uh, a lot of the things about heaven as well. Um, he says what that God has revealed to some of the saints on earth a great extent of the majesty and glory of heaven. So he, God has allowed some people to see visions of heaven. Just like we said before when it came to Hades, he allowed some people to see visions of Hades so that people could be you know, aware of this is the consequence of living a life away from God, a life of sin. Um, he also has allowed those to see vision of heaven, to see vision of paradise. So just as um, the vision of Hades would make us to be 
worried and concerned and 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 you know it's a place we don't want to go so the same way the visions of paradise are a motivator are encouraging us because we see the visions of a beautiful place that we want to be in so bishop Yohannes he said throughout the ages visions and revelations have been declared to the martyrs saints and confessors of the lord jesus confirming the reality of of the existence and glory of heaven these visions and revelations motivated those martyrs in facing their ordeals and hardships. Thus, they stood firm to the end until they received their unfading crowns. Many times these visions would come during a time when the martyrs were being persecuted severely. And it was like a way for God to give them patience and hope that if they endure the suffering that they are experiencing now, that there would be something wonderful There'll be something beautiful waiting for them, and it's like a motivator to endure and to continue. So for us, even though we might not be martyrs, but yet we go through a lot of challenges and maybe a lot of sufferings in the world, and one way for us to be confirmed and patient in the faith is to contemplate on heaven, to contemplate on the things that God has prepared for us, even these things that are beyond comprehension, that we, 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 we prepare by by how we live this life, because we want to be in that place. St. Anthony here also says, God dwells in those who have abhorred the world and even themselves, and who have carried the cross. He feeds their souls with a joy that enriches them and makes them grow noticeably. Among those who accept this celestial joy are a few to whom God reveals his heavenly secrets. He also shows them their celestial positions while they are still in the body. So for some, he actually, God would show them what they, where they will be specifically, what they will be doing specifically, the, the reward that they will receive specifically. And so it's, again, a motivator, right? Like if I see that God is going to judge me favorably and that God has pre prepared all these great things for me, it's a motivator for me to continue in my struggle. So when we speak about heaven, there's the word heaven can be used to mean different things. And there's four different types of heaven or four different meanings um, of the word heaven and i'm going to read for you the words of his holiness pope shenouda to explain uh to explain that so he said the psalmist said about it praise him you heaven of heavens all the heavens that humans have reached are nothing compared to the heaven of heavens for this reason it was said about our lord that he has passed through the heavens and has become higher than the heavens Solomon mentioned the heaven of heavens on the day he consecrated the temple. He said to the Lord in his prayer, Behold heaven, and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. This heaven of heavens no human has ascended to. The Lord alone came down from it and again ascended to it. Proverbs says, Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Therefore the heavens that the Bible mentions are the following. The first heaven that is mentioned in the Bible are the heaven of the birds. So this is what we would call the sky, okay? People can use the word heaven to describe the sky. The second heaven is the heaven of the stars or the firmament. This is space. And this is what the firmament that, that the book of Genesis speaks about when he says that the Lord created the firmament, okay? Um, the third is, the, th the third heaven is what we call paradise. So the third heaven is beyond the universe it is not it is not a physical place here in the universe it is it is a spiritual place it is the place where the souls of the righteous that are deemed righteous by god who will eventually inherit the kingdom of heaven they go to paradise when they die now the equivalent place is hades 
for those who have been judged unworthy by God. And then the fourth is what's called the heaven of heavens, or we could call it the kingdom of heaven. This is the place where at the end of the world, at the second coming, where all those souls who are in paradise will move from paradise to the heaven of heavens, the kingdom of heaven. This will be the place where we will uh, live for eternity with our resurrected, glorified bodies. So the resurrection and what we believe the Lord accomplished and what he will accomplish in us, the Lord, when he rose from the dead, he rose from the dead with his body. He didn't just rise only in spirit, but he rose from the dead with his body. This is why his body was missing from the tomb. This is why when people saw him, he had the, 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 the holes of the nails in his hands and so on, because he had an actual physical body, but it was a glorified body. It wasn't the exact same, uh, in the exact same form. It was a glorified body. We also believe uh, in the resurrection, which is at the second coming, the Lord will resurrect our bodies, and we will, in those bodies, will be reunited with our spirits again. And for those who have already been dead, so their spirits that are in paradise will be reunited with the body. And then all of us who are in paradise, having now been reunited with our glorified bodies, will then enter into the kingdom of heaven or the heaven of heavens um, at that time. So those are the four different heavens. The sky, the space, um, the paradise, which is the third heaven, and then the fourth one is the heaven of heavens. We know that God dwells in heaven. So Bishop Ioannis, he says, despite the absolute belief that God is present everywhere, so right, we believe that God is omnipresent. God is in every place, okay? Um, the holy book constantly describes God to be present in a higher place that is more glorious, which is heaven. The Lord Jesus, glory be to him, when speaking to Nicodemus, he said the following, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. In this way, despite the belief that God's presence is everywhere, he is always described as being in that place which is the heaven of heavens. Right? This may be difficult for us to comprehend. Yes, God is in every place, but also God says about himself that he is in heaven. Right? Like heaven is a dwelling place for God. Heaven is a place of the throne of God. Heaven is a place where the angels minister to God. But that doesn't mean that God is only present there, that God is everywhere, even exactly what the Lord said to Nicodemus when he said, what, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, which is the Lord. So the Lord came down from heaven in his incarnation, and now he is speaking to Nicodemus. Okay, But while he is speaking to Nicodemus, even though he is now on earth, as a man, he is also in heaven at the same time. And this is what the Lord here was saying to Nicodemus. There are many stories um, and verses that speak about in heaven that we will be given heavenly robes, heavenly robes. Um, and these robes, which are bright, which are white, which are heavenly, are made to cover the filth of sin, as though we having the filth of sin, cannot inherit heaven as being sinful. So we are given these heavenly robes that we cover ourselves with to make us able to participate in heaven, to be able to participate in the heavenly work. There's a story in the book of Zechariah, um, and in this story, he sees the high priest Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord. And this is what it says in Zechariah chapter 3. 
says, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. So the filthy garments represents the sin of the human being, the corruption of the flesh, which cannot inherit eternal life. So the Lord gives us these heavenly robes, okay, these rich robes, in order to cover ourselves, remove our iniquity, and cover us with these robes. St. Gregory of Nyssa, he refers to the story, he says the following, teaching us by the figurative illustration that verily in the baptism of Jesus, all we putting off our sins like some poor and patched garment are clothed in the holy and most fair garment of regeneration through our own baptism. This is what it means when we say that in baptism we put on Christ, right? We put on Christ, like we put on the purity of Christ, we put the holiness of Christ, the righteousness of Christ on us, though we being sinful, and yet in our baptism, the, the, like the, the filthy uh, garments of our flesh are covered by the garment of Christ, and so we become holy. This is also reflected in the book of Revelation, when the Lord Christ described the white, white garments which we should keep white, uh, in which we are to be clothed when we stand before him. So it says in Revelation chapter 3, it says, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So here, God is speaking to one of the churches. There's these seven churches in the book of Revelation that God is speaking to, and he's like rebuking them for different sins that they have committed. And so he's saying here, there are certain people in this church of Sardis. Sardis is a place, it's a city, who have not defiled their garments, meaning they have maintained their innocence, Okay. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So again, the idea that the defilement of the garment is like the filth of sin that God is going to transform and change. Also in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Again, God is saying that we need to put on these white garments that are coming from him. In Revelation 16, it says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Okay, these garments are the garments that we receive from the Lord in baptism and that we maintain them being white through repentance. So we are given these robes of white at the time of baptism, but in during the course of our life, as we all sin, it's like we are bringing filth and dirt back on these garments again. So when we confess our sins, when we repent, it's like we are washing these garments again, and so they remain white. And this is saying that the Lord accepts all those who repent of their sins as they are pure, as, in, uh, having, as though having not sinned. Like their garment is white because they have confessed their sin. Also in the book of Revelation, St. John uh, saw 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel as well as a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, who were all clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. He writes elsewhere about 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, standing around the throne. So again, these white robes, these heavenly clothing garments, are, are representing that we have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, that we have been forgiven our sins, and that we stand before God in purity and innocence. 
Also, there is an interesting parable regarding um, these clothes, these 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 like wedding garments or these clothes that we are given, um, that the Lord says here in Matthew chapter twenty-two. He says, "The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son, and sent out servants to call all those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, "Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner." My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So all these people that he invited, they refused to come to the wedding. So now he's going to tell his servants the following. He says, therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So what do you think here in this parable, this first group of people that were invited to the wedding and refused to come? Who are these people? The Jews. Why? Why is it the Jews? Because they were the chosen people of God in the Old Testament, right? And they rejected the Lord, they crucified him, okay? So having crucified him and having rejected the Lord, the Lord now, and this is the characteristics of the New Testament, right? The, the salvation is open to everyone, right? So it is the Lord here. He says, therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. Everyone is invited to the wedding. There is no specific group of people that are chosen by God, but everyone is chosen, right? Everyone God calls to the wedding. And this wedding is this, the wedding of salvation. This is the wedding of eternity, right? The wedding of eternal life. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. It's pretty dramatic, right? So, so this person who did not have on this wedding garment, the Lord said, Throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is the same language that's used to describe Hades, right? So he's saying this person without the wedding garment does not deserve to be at the wedding and he needs to be cast out, okay? So the Bible, it likens our union in heaven with God as a marriage. This is why it is the parable of the wedding feast. We are in a marriage. We are the bride and the Lord is the bridegroom. And in Revelations 19, it says, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the marriage supper. This is the union between us and God, that we are in union with God. So in this parable, okay, this king who held the marriage feast, he represents God the Father. And the king's son is Jesus Christ, the Savior. Okay? And the feast is the world in which he came. The servants are those who commissioned to carry his message. So like the prophets or the apostles, these are the ones who went out and they told everyone, come to the wedding feast. Okay? And the people who heard this neglected the matter and rejected the message. Those invited afterward are the rest of us who were granted the opportunity to participate in the heavenly glories. Okay, so what is the meaning of the wedding garment? The church fathers interpret this to refer to various virtues of this life 
that we must be adorned with in order to be fully united with Christ. Here in Revelation 19, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Right? We are the wife who has made ourselves ready for the Lamb. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Right? So this fine linen that we put on is like our response to the love of God, that we are choo choosing to live a righteous life, that we are choosing to live in repentance. The, 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 and, and in this, we are receiving this like fine linen. Like I said, every time we repent, it's like God is taking the clothing that he has given us and he is washing it. So it is clean. And when it is clean, now when we enter into the wedding, uh, we are accepted. There is a story um, about this man and his daughter whose name was Layla. So His Holiness, Pope Shinto III, he had this close friend um, whose name was Fayez. And Fayez's daughter, whose name was Layla, and she was very close to His Holiness. And there's a story related to the heavenly uh, garments related to, to, to her. Um, so I'm going to just, I'm going to read this story. So it says, there was a time when Layla stopped going to church as often as she should and therefore stopped partaking of communion. She tells a story about a dream she experienced one morning. She saw His Holiness at the door of St. Mark's Church in Alexandria, and he was there to give a sermon he typically would give on Sundays. Layla met him at the door of the church before he entered and asked him to pray for her. His Holiness responded, Okay, Layla, come and I'll pray for you. So he prayed for her and said, Look, Layla, I'm going to give the sermon, and in the meantime, I want you to cry earnestly from your heart and say, O Lord, three times. And when I come back, tell me what you saw. Layla said, okay. She followed the Pope's advice and fervently cried out, O Lord, three times. Suddenly she saw the martyr St. George on his horse, and although she was dreaming, she heard the pattering of his horse's hooves almost as if she were awake. St. George was holding a large sword with which he began to swat and innumerable flies and mosquitoes that were hovering all around her until all of them were killed. Then St. George looked at her and said, It is done, and disappeared. His Holiness had completed his sermon, and returning to Layla asked her about what she had seen. She explained everything. Then His Holiness asked her what seemed to Layla like a peculiar question. Would you like to see your image as God sees you right now? Perplexed, she responded, Yes, of course. Is there anyone who would not want to see that? Suddenly she found herself wearing a dress that was torn up and not very clean. She was surprised at how unappealing her attire was. So she asked His Holiness, Is this really how I look? Yes, this is your image as God sees you. Layla also could see patches that looked new. So she inquired, What are these new patches that have been put into my robe? His Holiness told her, These are the good things you have done in your life. So then she asked, Well, how do I make this robe white and clean? She truly did not like the way she looked at all having thought all this time that God saw her with utmost beauty and glamour. His Holiness chuckled and told her, Layla, by communion, by the blood of the Lamb, this robe will become white. So even in this story, we see again the similarity um, from what we have read, from what the Church Father said, from what the Scripture has said, speaking about um, uh, the, the, the garments and the person who is entering into paradise and the garments that they have on, which represents um, their good works. There's also, in heaven, praise. And one of the things that we hear often when we speak about heaven is that there are praises to God. 
whether the praises are coming from the angels or whether they're coming from us, the, 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 the heaven is filled with the voices of praise to God. We read in the book of Psalms, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they will still be praising you. And praise him, all his angels, all his hosts, and we speak always about the praise of God in heaven. Isaiah the prophet in the heavenly vision saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. So praise, we see praise. In the book of Revelation, St. John, he says what? He looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of, of thousands. And St. John also saw four living creatures, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And elsewhere he tells us about how he heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder and heard the sound of harpists playing harps. They sang as it were a song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. So we see God created all of these angels in the different forms, the four living creatures, the seraphim, the cherubim, um, the 24 elders, all of these he created and they are constantly praising and saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. This is why actually we take their prayers and we adopt them to be our own prayers. We take the prayers that they are chanting in heaven to God and we chant them actually here on earth. And the praises that we praise are the same praises that they praise. So we in the church consider ourselves to be part of heaven. You know, some people say the church is like the first floor of heaven. We come to the church and we participate in the praises that the angels are praising in heaven, that the saints are praising in heaven, and we are using the same even words that they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So we are praising with them, we are praising God. Also, in the book of Revelation, it says what? That the great multitude of people of all nations cry out to the Lord, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, after which the angels that stood around the throne said, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So this great multitude of people who are praising God, and it says they are of all nations, they are from everywhere in the world, that God has deemed worthy for salvation and that he has saved them and brought them to paradise, and they are all chanting together in one voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Also, Mother Irini, we had talked about her before, that she was a very saintly nun and an abbess of a, of a convent. We read about her. It says, Mother Irini, she once saw a vision which she revealed during a vigil for the Coptic New Year feast in her convent with families who had suffered the untimely departure of their loved ones. So there was this accident. It was a bus accident. Um, where there was a group of, of youth um, from a choir called the Children of the Apostles um, that were going to do service, and they were from St. George Church. And there was an accident when the, the bus had an accident, and actually all of them were, were killed in the accident. And so Mother Irini, she saw a vision of them, like, in heaven. And she, she decided, or she was asked um, to share this story with the parents of those children who had died to be like a source of comfort for them. 
So this is what she said happened to her when she was speaking to the parents of these children who died. She said, while I was praying in my cell at the time of the incident, I felt that I was out of my flesh and in my spirit looking at the incident. I saw the accident and suffered emotionally. I made the sign of the cross and wondered, where am I? What do I see? Who are they? Then suddenly I heard a sound answering my question saying, they are with the trip of the choir of the Church of St. George from Heliopolis. Then I looked and I saw a pillar of light between heaven and earth above the bus. The pillar had a beautiful, strong, radiant light. Two rows of angels were around the pillar, arrayed in white garments. Their faces were emanating luminous light. The angels were beautiful and were singing beautiful praises. Every one of our youth that gave up his or her spirit was given a shining white garment. Their spirits had the form of their former bodies of flesh, but were shining and more beautiful. Every one of the youth had a shining face like the pillar of light. The angels gave to every one of our children, to each youth, a cross of light in their right hand and a candle in their left hand and a crown on his or her head. The angels ascended while singing beautiful praises. Our children sang the same praises along with the angels. Their sounds mixed with the praises of the angels as they went upward in a beautiful procession. So we, the, the, the children and the angels, are, are, are singing praises together. Their sounds mixed with the praises of the angels as they went upward in a beautiful procession. St. Mary was at the front of the procession. She was very beautiful in appearance and emanated bright light, and she was wearing a garment of light just like the pillar of light. Then I heard a sound from heaven that was full of love and compassion, saying aloud, Come unto paradise. The procession was disappearing, beginning with St. Mary the Virgin, then the angels, then the righteous saints, then the heavenly choir. Everyone disappeared, and then eventually the pillar of light also disappeared and was taken up to heaven. Mother Irini went on to affirm that it was through the grace of the divine mysteries that the children were able to receive their reward. They had confessed and taken communion, and they departed this life while they were practicing works of love um, to serve the poor. So all of these stories, and, and we're, we're out of time for today, but God willing, we'll continue next time. But all these stories are affirming the same thing, that, that what are the characteristics of paradise is that um, we are given these bright, shining garments, that we are praising with the angels, and that the heaven is characterized by praise, um, and we also in the church um, are praising. This is why praise is important, and I would, uh, I would encourage everyone to come and to attend the praises. We have what we call the midnight praises, um, which are on Saturday nights, um, to come and to praise together, that we are praising together with the angels, and we are one church, whether here, the struggling church, or the church in heaven, the victorious church, it is, it is a characteristic of heaven that we all praise God here in the church and also in our homes. So God willing, next time we'll continue speaking about the praise of God um, in paradise. Any comments or questions? Yes. Heaven on earth. Um, so we, are, we ask God actually in the, in the Lord's Prayer, we ask him that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we are saying is we want God to make the earth like heaven. And how is it that he would make the earth like heaven? He would make it through us. If we live godly, if we live according to God's commandment, then it's like we are bringing part of heaven on earth. And, and if, the, if the world were to 
transformed to be like heaven, how would it happen? It wouldn't be because God is doing miracles and, you know, transforming the earth physically. It would be because we are living according to God's command and thereby turning the earth into be like heaven. Yeah. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for giving us a glimpse of paradise and for helping us to see, O Lord, the glory that awaits us there. We ask, O God, that you put on us white garments and that when these garments become filthy, O Lord, in sin, you wash them and you renew them again, O Lord, through confession, through baptism, through, uh, through all of the sacraments, O Lord, that you have given us and through good works, O Lord, that we try and struggle, O Lord, to do while we are on the earth. We thank you, O Lord, for every good thing, and we ask, O God, that you have patience and mercy upon us as we struggle, O Lord, in our sins and we struggle to do right. Have mercy on us, O God, and forgive us our sins and teach us and lead us, O Lord, to your everlasting kingdom. Help us, O Lord, to have mercy on one another. Help us, O God, not to indulge in the sins of the flesh. Help us, O God, to be focused and not distracted by all of the distractions in this world and to remember always, O God, our destination and where we want to be and how we should live, O Lord, to reach that place. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.